Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Y'all turn with me, Psalm 1914. We're reading from uh, a bunch of different passages of Scripture today. If, if you're a note taker, um, then you might want to go to the YouVersion Bible app and search the event at Covenant Life today, and there you'll find all the notes and all the Scriptures and everything that you need for your own home and personal Bible study. All right, Psalm 19, 14, most of you have heard this before. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable or be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Redeemer. Father, we just thank you for the chance to be in your house and in your presence with your people today. And now I thank you for a time to feast at your table on your word. It is the bread of life for us. And I pray that we consume it eagerly today and that we allow it to change our hearts, to change our minds, to change our lives. Lord, may you be glorified in everything that's said in this place from this pulpit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, by now you have probably figured out the premise of this series that we've been calling Unbalanced, the Unbalanced series. Balance is usually a good thing, but there are some things that require absolute buy-in. Some things that you have to be all in or it just doesn't work. Some things that are too important for compromise. So you have to be unashamedly, wholeheartedly unbalanced. Now, the first week we talked about unbalanced faith. And last week, Pastor Jay taught us about unbalanced prayer, giving us five principles that should guide our conversations with God. Now, today we're going to wrap up this quick little series. Uh, and I, I want to bring both those ideas together uh, with a message called Unbalanced Words unbalanced words because no matter whether you're praying or whether you're just sharing your faith or establishing your faith your words are a huge part of both of those okay so the old saying teaches us that talk is cheap y'all ever heard that talks cheap and I think most of us understand the concept and we would agree with the concept that words don't mean much if they're not backed up by sincerity and action right so you might be surprised, though, to find out that the Bible actually has a whole lot to say about what comes out of your mouth. The Bible has a lot to say because words are important. Talk may be cheap, and we get that, but words are important. Words are expensive. A follower of Jesus can't afford cheap talk. Because words are too important, and they affect our faith, and they affect our prayer lives, and they even affect our salvation. So I want, I want us to take a little time and see today, and we're going to start with what the brother of Jesus said in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, uh, verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals. <laughs> Other people can tame <laughs> all kinds of... Anyway, crazy people can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish. Nobody can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless and it is restless and evil, full of, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises it what your your tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, that's not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. The words we speak need to be unbalanced. Not a little blessing and a little cursing. Right? Not a little positive and a little negative. Not a little truth and a little lying. Not a little faith and a little doubt. We need to be all the way committed to making sure that the things that come out of our mouths are completely unbalanced towards the things of God. Let me show you an absolutely astounding thing in the Gospels that Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 49. Jesus said this in the, in the NIV. He says, I didn't speak on my own. This is Jesus talking about his life on the earth. I didn't speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. In John chapter 5, Jesus had already said previously, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what I see the Father doing. And in this verse, he said, I don't say anything on my own. I don't just speak what I'm thinking. I only say what the Father sent me to say. (laughs) What in the world would happen in our lives if we only did what the Father showed us and only said what the Father told us? What would happen? Do you know what that means? It means that Jesus only spoke words that were in agreement with the Word of God. What would happen in our lives if we only spoke words in agreement with the Word of God? Do you think think our lives would be different? What would happen if we stopped ourselves before we opened our mouths and shared our opinion on something? What would happen if we stopped and we found out what God said about it first? And then we only said what He said about it. I don't know about you, but I think... I would talk a whole lot less than I do now. And I would talk a whole lot different than I do now. We've got to have unbalanced words. Now, why are, why are words so important? Because your mouth is not the source of words. It's just the vehicle. What comes out your mouth is sourced in your soul. So let me, let me say it this way. When your mouth opens... Your soul speaks. When your mouth opens, your soul speaks. Let me, let me explain it this way. If you don't like what you don't like a movie that you're watching on TV, do you buy a new TV? Do you? That was not supposed to be the hard question today. <laughs> Some of you know, hmm. Um, you like normal people don't go buy a new TV. Because they don't like the movie. You just change the movie at the source. You change the channel. You get the DVD out. You, you, you change the selection on the streaming service. Whatever it is. The, the TV is not the problem. According to, I, I hear people say this all the time. I, I've got such a problem with my mouth. Anybody ever sit, anybody sitting beside somebody that's ever. 
according to the word of God, you do not have a problem with your mouth. You have a problem with your soul. Your mouth is just doing its job. It's just revealing your soul. The passage in James even points out the problem is not really the tongue itself. The problem is it says the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. The problem is the source that your tongue is pulling from. So let me show you a couple of passages in Scripture that that talk about this connection between mouth and soul. Mouth and soul. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. Jesus said a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes aren't picked from bramble bushes. A good person, y'all follow this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Look at what Jesus said. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Jesus said there's a clear connection between what's on the inside and what's on the outside. Good fruit comes from a good person who has a good heart. Well, what is fruit? Fruit is what your life produces. And a huge part of what our lives produce is words. If you want to change your words, you have to change your heart. Don't don't get a new TV. Change the channel. There's an undeniable connection between your heart, which is another way to say your soul, your inner man, and your mouth. So when you open your mouth, your soul speaks. Then, then let's look at what Jesus continues to say in the next verse. So right after that, uh, he says this in, in, um, in verse 46. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? He's saying you're you're not unbalanced in your words. A good person produces good fruit from a good heart. That's unbalanced all the way to the side of good. What we do from time to time is we still try to use words of faith, words of commitment, words of worship, words of devotion to Jesus, but we aren't actually doing what we say. Our words aren't revealing our souls, they're masking our souls. And Jesus sees right through it. You say, so John, is is Jesus going to strike me down if he hears me speak words we don't mean? First of all, Jesus is not some mythological Greek God. He's not just sitting around bored waiting to zap somebody. Okay? He, He gave his life to bring us to God, not to zap people who mess up. And secondly, he doesn't have to zap us. Because if we keep living a life where our words say one thing, but our soul believes another thing, eventually it catches up to us and takes care of itself. And I, wanna, I want you to read what Jesus said next in, in verses 47 and 48. This is still all part of the same conversation. Jesus said, anyone who hears but doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it collapses into a heap of ruins. Now, let's go to 47. Sorry, we, I think we skipped 47, 48. Can we back up? Yeah. All right, so Jesus said, I'll show you what it's like when somebody comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. All right? It's like a person who digs a, builds a house, digs deep, 
lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. So Jesus said people who speak unbalanced words, people who say what they believe and believe what they say, when the troubles come, when the storms of life arise, they're going to be fine. Why? Because they're anchored to the rock Christ Jesus. All right? But now look at what happens to the other people. Verse 49, the, the verse we already, we already previewed. Anybody who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. And when the floods sweep down against that house, it collapses into a heap of ruins. Jesus doesn't have to zap people who call him Lord but don't actually believe and obey. Why? Because the storms of life always reveal what your soul is anchored to. When you get in trouble, you run to what you're anchored to. If you're following Jesus, you're anchored to an immovable, unshakable rock. But if you're using words of faith that your soul isn't really committed to, then the storms of life will crush you. The only way to survive the storms of life with your faith intact is to make sure that your words and what you believe are aligned. Let me show you another, uh, another example from a scripture we already read. You thought I already, yeah, I forgot about what we read in the opening scripture. Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be pleasing or acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The psalmist knew the secret. The psalmist knew there's no need to focus on the words of your mouth unless the meditation of your heart is lined up with them. Being acceptable or pleasing in the eyes of the Lord is not just about what comes out your mouth. It's also about what you think about, what you commit to, what you do in your decision making, what you meditate on. One without the other. Words without belief in your heart is a dishonest waste of time. Now, the third commandment of the Ten Commandments, the third commandment is... Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain, right? And we've always been taught that, that that means don't use God's name in a curse word, right? Don't use it flippantly. Don't use it casually. Like if you ain't talking to him or about him, like don't, just don't even bring it up, right? That's, that's the way my mama beat it into me, right? So, but what about people who use the name of God in worship, who use the name of God in prayer, but don't actually have the foundation of belief in their hearts. Is that not just as offensive to God as using an OMG? And maybe far more damaging to the people around you. Don't use His name in vain. Don't claim with your mouth to have a faith you don't have in your heart. Don't claim worship to a God you have no allegiance to. Don't let your mouth use words that your heart doesn't back up. All through, uh, all through the, the Bible, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, the cry from the heart of God is for His people to be people of integrity. That what they say and what they believe and what they do would all be the same, would all be lined up together. 
that their souls and their hearts and their minds would be completely sold out to him. Didn't he say, and you will love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. All of that stuff completely lined up in love and obedience to the Lord. Why? Because he hates a hypocritical heart. Look at the, the people that Jesus, Jesus was pretty salty with some folks, all right? Loved sinners and sinners loved him, but when the religious people came around, when the hypocrites came around, it got real dicey, it got real tight real fast because Jesus has had no tolerance for people who said one thing but believed another thing. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 8 and verse 11. He said, these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. And then he said in verse 11, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out your mouth. Nothing is more dishonoring to God than being honored from the lips of a person whose heart does not believe it. Those empty words, those vain words defile our lives. We have to make sure that they are, our words are unbalanced, all the way sold out to Jesus. Do you know you can't even be saved unless you use unbalanced words? Again, I'm talking about your words and your beliefs being in alignment. Okay? Your words and your belief being in alignment. That your mouth and your soul are both going in the same direction. I want you to look at Romans 10, verses 8 through 10. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips, and it's in your heart. And that, very, man, that message is, very, is the very message about faith that we preach. And don't miss this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring or confessing with your mouth, your faith, that you're saved. You see that? Salvation comes from confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. It takes both of those. It takes both. I want you to hear me very, very carefully. There are thousands and thousands of people who think they're saved because they repeated a prayer that somebody told them to pray. But God says it does you no good to confess with your mouth if you don't believe in your heart. If all you did was repeat a prayer because you felt guilty or because you felt the pressure of the moment, but you did not believe it in your heart, then I want to say this as humbly and honestly and respectfully and lovingly as I can, but you're not saved. And I don't want you to wait until you're standing before the throne to find out. Your heart and your mouth have to both be all in with Jesus. The salvation that the American church offers comes from repeating. 
The salvation that the Word of God offers comes from repenting. That is not the same thing. It's not the same thing. So, John, are you, are you uh, saying that you, sh- you shouldn't guide a person in, in how to pray to be saved? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that repeating the prayer is not enough if it's not accompanied by a repentant heart. Over and over again in the Scriptures, the, the message of salvation was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Why? Because repentance happens in the soul before it happens in the mouth. Repentance requires revelation that your soul is headed in the wrong direction. Repentance requires recognition that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Recognition requires the, 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 uh, repentance requires the recognition that Jesus is the only one who can save your sinful soul from a destiny to, in hell. It's only in that context that the cross of Jesus makes any sense whatsoever. It's only in that context that it makes sense to surrender your life to Him. And it's upon that foundation of belief in in your heart that confessing with your mouth will bring salvation. But if we invite people to be saved and we never tell them that they're a sinner, what what are they being saved from? How many times have you heard, oh, we had 30 people or 50 people or 100 people that prayed to receive Christ today? Or even if it's just one, because every soul is important. doesn't matter the number. But I always cringe a little bit. I'm just being honest with you. It's too late now. I done said it. I always cringe a little bit when I hear those reports because I'm always afraid that those people got caught up in the moment and they only confessed with their mouths. They didn't actually believe in their hearts. Like, did they even know they were supposed to? Did we even tell them? Or did we just ask if they want to go to heaven? Who doesn't want to go to heaven? Especially after we describe hell in every gory detail. So when you say, you want to go to heaven or you want to go to the hell that I just described? Well, sign me up. We just say, hell's awful. You want to go to heaven? Sure. Well, then just say this prayer with me. Or we tell people, you want to see your loved ones again? You just repeat after me. Those people don't want to follow Jesus. They want to see granny. And that is a real need in a person's soul. They want to be reunited with their loved ones. The problem is, the only way to do that is if granny was saved, if she's waiting on the other side in glory, then we've got to do what granny did to get there, and that's repent of our sins and surrender our lives to Jesus. Repeating the prayer is not going to help you see granny. We emotionally manipulate people into repeating a prayer with their mouths that they don't even understand in their minds, much less believe in their hearts. And then we go one step further, the awfulest step of all, then we tell them they're saved and they're going to heaven. When all they are now is not saved, they're just deceived. And those are the hardest people to convert to true faith because some preacher told them they're saved. 
You see the problem? We're offering a, our own version of salvation that's different than the one Jesus paid for with his life. I can name a person, I will not, but I can name a person who preached in this county for many years who told his church, I don't care if they want to go to heaven or not. If they prayed the prayer, they're going. What? The prayer of salvation is not supposed to be a trap that people fall into. What in the world? You can't trick people into the kingdom. That's not even kind of in the Bible. Like since when did evangelism become a contest to see how many people we could get to pray the magic prayer? Which is neither magic nor a prayer. That's not how Jesus did it. He, his command was to, for us to make disciples, not to make converts. Jesus was a terrible evangelist by today's standards. He was not good at it. Jesus looked at people and said, Oh, you want to follow me? You better sit down and count the cost. I don't think you know what you're asking for. Jesus said, you got to love me more than you love your family, more than you love your friends, more than you love your money, more than you even love your life, because some of y'all are going to die for me. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you got to deny yourself, die daily, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, who's with me? And what does it say? Read the Bible. What does it say in the Bible? They go... At one point, the, the altar response was so bad that he looked at the 12 disciples and said, like, y'all going to go with the rest of them? What we're offering people is not backed up by this word. Jesus was honest with people. Just bare bones, straight up, honest with people about following him. He didn't trick them into confessing something they didn't believe. He challenged them to know what they were getting into. See, getting saved is not a free ticket to heaven. It's a lifetime of following and obeying Jesus. Getting to heaven is what happens on the back end of it. It's a result of your belief. And getting there is not, contained, is not obtained just by your confession, but by the sincere belief and commitment of our hearts to accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and to obey forever His Lordship. I know I'm wading into it today. And Jay, if I'm out of line, I'm sorry with your folks. But as far as I can tell, I'm preaching the truth. And this, the, the, the whole controversy over once saved, always saved, this big debate for me is a smokescreen. The real issue in our area, and listen, this is all I know, people. This is all I know. 50 years in Carroll and Harrelson County, that's all I know. Three, three years when I was little was in Fulton County, but if the last 50 years has been right here within 
25 miles of this pulpit right here. And the real issue in our area is not about whether people stay saved. The real issue is whether they were ever saved in the first place. Our mouths and our hearts have to be aligned. The tragic irony is that there are people passionately defending eternal security who are not eternally secure because they've only confessed with their mouths and never believed in their hearts. Empty words don't bring about changed lives. Old things do not pass away. All things do not become new just because you follow a formula. It's a relationship, not a business transaction. It's not witchcraft. It's not a spell. It's not an incantation. It's, it's a relationship. Ladies, if you showed up, this is ridiculous, but this is, this is the best I got, okay? If you showed up at your wedding, and here comes the guy down the aisle, and he says the vows, and then you look at him, and you realize you've never seen this guy in your life. Would you consider yourself married? It's taking y'all longer than I thought it would. Turns out 25 years, I don't know y'all at all. What do y'all do Monday through Saturday? Bunch of weirdos. No, you wouldn't think you're married to him. Like, you'd be like, who in the world are you? He'd be like, I'm your husband. I just took the vows. Like, I said the thing. I've even got a ring. I'm going to wear, we're married now. I'm coming home with you. (laughs) And your ladies, you'd say, sorry, dude. I don't even know you. I never knew you. And there will be people who stand before Christ who claim to be followers of Jesus, even call him Lord who claim to be in covenant with him, who do all the things they think a believer is supposed to do. But it's not a real relationship. And they are not going to be invited home with him. They never took the time to examine what they believed. They, They missed the one most important step. They never knew Jesus. They confessed their allegiance to Jesus with their mouths. But they confessed allegiance to a Jesus they never knew. And he's going to say, I'm not your groom. You're not my bride. I don't even know you. No, you're not going home with me. You cannot just confess your way to faith. You cannot just confess your way to salvation. You cannot just confess your way into heaven. You have to believe in your heart. If 
you don't hear anything else to do today, if you don't do anything else today, examine the foundations of your faith. The Apostle Paul said, examine yourself and make sure you're in the faith. Are you on the solid rock? Or did you build a really impressive Christian-looking house on sinking sand? Is your salvation based on what you believe and what you confess? Are the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart lined up with each other and with the Word of God? Now I'm going to close, but I want to take it one step further before we do. The, the, the unbalanced commitment has to go both ways. We not only have to believe what we, what we confess, we have to confess what we believe. There is no such thing as an undercover Christian. There's no such thing as a secret saint. If Jesus is in your heart, then Jesus should overflow out of your mouth. Look at Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Man, the little Baptist church I grew up in, like every two weeks they preached on this. We don't talk about this anymore. Verse 32. Jesus said, Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But, 33. Anyone... Everyone who denies me here on earth, I will deny before my Father in heaven. When Jesus said, if you you acknowledge me, he's talking about a deeper relationship than just confession. He's talking about a commitment. It's actually the word, the, the original word means covenant. A covenant. This is somebody who truly believes in Jesus But look at what he says. It's not enough for you to believe on the inside and then deny me with your words, even through the silence of your words. If you confess me on this earth, Jesus said, I'll stand right beside you. I'll introduce you to my Father as one of my own. But if you deny me on this earth, then that's exactly what's going to happen when I stand before my Father. You say, John, what's that mean? It means if you don't believe in someone enough to claim them in public. Y'all been on the other end of that sometimes? If you don't believe in something enough to confess it, to confess your association with it, if you claim you believe in something, but it never shows up in your conversations, in your lifestyle, in your decision making, then maybe you don't actually believe what you say you do. Come on, man. Our words, our beliefs have to be all the way to one side, the side of Jesus. Because he is the way and the truth and the life. The only way to get to the Father is through him. Period. That's Christianity. And if you don't believe that, then then don't claim to be a Christian. So you, you, got a, you got a words problem, check your heart. You got, a, you got a, a problem in your prayer life, check your heart. 
See what you actually believe. Your mouth can't confess in a prayer what your heart won't support. You got a problem walking out your faith? Check your heart. If your words and your heart are working against each other, your house is going to collapse. Make sure they're both firmly planted on the word. Y'all stand with me, please. Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do? Convict sin. Reveal truth. Divide. Divide between even the bone and the marrow. Divide between our spirits and our souls. Reveal our motives. Reveal our intentions. Reveal to us today, Lord, whether or not we've actually put our foot on the rock or if we've just said what everybody else was saying. Do what only you can do, Lord. Draw people to yourself and make us more like you. In Jesus' name. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.